0: Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by community pastor, Carrie Latticeur, as we continue the series, Do the Work. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays, streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there.
1: I want to begin today with a bit of a heavy question. Who has ever felt the metaphorical weight of carrying around a grudge? According to researchers at Erasmus University, carrying a grudge can weigh you down literally. Check this out. Researchers asked participants to write about a time that they'd experienced a conflict. Some were instructed to reflect on a time when they didn't forgive the offender. Others were told to think about the time they did forgive the person. They were then given a small physical challenge, jumping five times as high as they could. When they asked their human guinea pigs to jump five times as high as they could, those who had been thinking about a time when they'd forgiven jumped highest, about 11.8 inches on average. Those who had written about their grudges, on the other hand, jumped an average of eight and a half inches. Those who had forgiven jumped more than three inches and 30% higher. Isn't that wild? The results suggest that the weight of carrying a grudge may be more than just a metaphor. This blew my mind that we may literally, physically carry the weight of unforgiveness. The lead researcher for the study wrote, a state of unforgiveness is like carrying a heavy burden, a burden that people bring with them when they navigate the physical world. Forgiveness can lighten this burden. Today is a day for freedom, for the weight to be lifted for each of us. Today, we're going to explore and hopefully begin the work of forgiveness. It's all part of the work of relational restoration that we've been challenging one another to do. Here's the glimpse into our current series. Hey, Wilson.
0: Hi-ho, neighbor. Community online again for you today? Well, it's such a beautiful day, I thought I'd actually venture out for in-person church today. Well, you can ride with us if you want. Although, if you don't mind wearing a mask in the car, that would be great. <laughs> Just because Jill and the kids have never seen your whole face, I wouldn't want you to startle them. Sure thing. I could also bring along my little fence on a stick if you want. Say hello to my little fence. <laughs> no? No. No. Sorry, forgive the bad Al Pacino impression, but that is the perfect segue to today's big idea. Forgiveness, an essential step on the path of relational restoration. These are facts. I mean, these past couple of years especially have been super tough on relationships, which makes these past couple of weeks of this series come at the perfect time for me. I mean, in week one, we talked all about doing the work of identity formation. Uh, To restore relationships, we must first ground our identity in Christ. Well, in week two, we were challenged to do the work of self-awareness, asking God to show us where we might be at fault in a damaged relationship. Eh, Jill helped me with that, too. (laughs) And today should be great. Are you ready to go? You know, I think I'm actually going to stay home and attend Community Online after all. I hope you'll forgive me for changing my mind. Well... I'll just have to let you know after today's message. Let's do the work.
1: Throughout this series, we are challenging you to think about that one relationship you would like to see restored. Now, a quick and important note here. There are some relationships where restoration is not feasible or even healthy, We're not saying to go back to an abusive or toxic relationship. We're not saying that every broken relationship needs to be restored. In fact, if that type of relationship is what comes to mind for you, first of all, I'm sorry you had to experience that type of pain in a relationship. Second, my prayer today is that you would still be able to engage the topic with us and that the work of forgiveness would be freeing for you. However, for all of us, God is likely bringing to mind one relationship that you know is worth fighting for, one relationship that He wants you to restore. We want you to continue to keep that person in mind all throughout this series. To restore relationships, we must do the work of forgiveness. But how? What does forgiveness mean and what is the invitation for us? When exploring what forgiveness means, I think it's helpful to begin by debunking a few myths about what forgiveness is not. Personally, I've heard some pretty sad stories about forgiveness being weaponized, so I think exploring these myths first could help us courageously engage the topic of forgiveness. Myth number one, to forgive, I have to say that what happened is okay. Family, forgiveness is not saying it's okay. In fact, despite what some people may have told you, forgiveness does not mean a lack of justice or even consequences for the harm or offense that was done. Forgiveness does not erase the pain or make the need for repair work just disappear. Author Janice Abrams Spring says we can't and we won't just dust off an injury, pretend that nothing happened, and embrace the person who injured us. Regardless of what we may have been taught, a quick, one-sided kiss-and-make-up response doesn't seem real or right. For genuine forgiveness to take place, we often need much more. Myth number two— To forgive, I have to forget. Forgiveness is not forgetting and then simply acting as though it never happened. Sometimes we forgive and then we also have to set a boundary. Sometimes we forgive and then there is repair work to do. Sometimes we forgive and healthy distance or clarified expectations are necessary before the relationship can be restored. Author Lewis Smead writes, Forgetting, in fact, may be a dangerous way to escape the inner surgery of the hurt that we call forgiving. There are two kinds of pain that we forget. We forget hurts too trivial to bother about, and we forget pains too horrible for our memory to manage. To do the work of forgiveness, we can't just forget what happened— Myth number three, to forgive, I have to trust the person immediately. Forgiveness does not mean immediate reconciliation. Sometimes there's a good reason not to trust someone immediately again. It's not about placing ourselves back into a situation where we could get hurt once again by that same person. If you and choose to invite the person back into your life after forgiveness, and if he or she comes honestly, love can move you both toward a new, healed relationship. Reconciliation depends on the person you forgive as much as it depends on you. Sometimes they don't come back, and you have to be healed alone. Forgiveness isn't dependent on another person's acknowledgement of what they did. Forgiveness isn't dependent on an apology. And forgiveness isn't dependent on reconciliation in order to be fulfilled. So if that's what forgiveness is not, let's explore what forgiveness is. There's no doubt about it. Forgiveness as a concept can be really hard. We may be holding on to old definitions that may have come up from the families we grew up in. So let's take a look at what Jesus teaches us about forgiveness to give us a brand new understanding. One of Jesus' friends, Matthew, witnessed many of the questions people asked Jesus and recorded them in the book he wrote about Jesus' life. In the 18th chapter of his book, Matthew shares this account. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now let's stop there for just a second to explain a little background. Peter, a Jew, knew that the normal Jewish expectation regarding forgiveness was three times— The rabbis recognized that repeat offenders might not be sincerely repenting, so they instructed people to forgive three times. But on the fourth offense, you're out. No more forgiveness. So when Peter comes to Jesus asking if he should forgive seven times, he probably feels like he's being magnanimous. After all, that would be more than two times the cultural norm. He might have expected Jesus to commend him. But Jesus answers, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Jesus shocks Peter by multiplying his generous seven by 11. The point is not the number itself, but the exaggeration of the number here. In other words, Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't forgive on the 78th time, but instead we should forgive indefinitely. Jesus has told Peter to forgive, not seven times, but however many times it takes. Then he illustrates the point with a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Here we have a servant who owes his manager a debt so large he can't possibly pay it back. If we calculated that amount in today's dollars, the servant owes the manager about $2.5 billion. Just in case you're wondering, this is a whole heap of cash. That is an amount of money I would not see in multiple lifetimes. And the master wants the money back. Knowing he could not pay, the master threatens to sell the servant's family into slavery. The thought here is not about repayment. The revenue from selling a slave would never cover the amount of debt. It was solely about punishment. But the master took pity on the servant instead and canceled the debt. Jesus continues the story. But when that servant went out— he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. No sooner had the servant left than he does a little debt collection of his own. He finds someone that owes him about $4,000. Now, I know that this is still a substantial amount of money. If someone owed me that kind of money, I would want it back too. But obviously, this debt pales in comparison to the debt that was just forgiven. Why did the servant not forgive the $4,000? Great question. Honestly, I fundamentally believe the reason he didn't forgive is because he didn't really understand what it means to be forgiven, which leads me to the most important thing I'm going to say today. It's the truth we need to understand. Forgiveness is the choice to cancel a debt. When we don't forgive, just like the servant in Jesus' story and just like where we started, we end up carrying the weight— We're the one chained to the pain and weighed down by the burden. We are actually the one who ends up imprisoned. This is why forgiveness is so important. It's not just about the other person. Forgiveness is about us. When someone has done something that has hurt us, in a sense, they have taken something from us. Their words or actions might leave us robbed of peace or trust or happiness. As a result, we believe that they are in debt to us. Forgiveness is the choice to cancel a debt. It's the choice to tell another person, you don't owe me anymore. Your debt is canceled. Forgiveness does not mean that the harm done to you never happened, but it can help you from free you from the anger and the resentment that eventually take a toll on your physical and emotional and spiritual well-being. When unforgiveness takes root in our lives, that anger and resentment can hold us captive, spilling over into other relationships, potentially leading to depression and anxiety Ultimately, robbing us of joy. Again, from Lewis Mead Forgiveness means to set the prisoner free, only to find the prisoner was you. I had a complicated life uh, growing up. Like many of us, my family of origin had some issues. Okay, like most of us, right? <laughs> For years, my sister and I, along with our parents, have tried to do the work of sifting through the fallout of addiction and other issues that have plagued our family. We've been doing the work to become aware of how the scars of that kind of harm still shape how we live today. My story became even more complicated when, a few years ago, I learned that the man who raised me, whom I called my dad for my whole life, is not my father My mom and I had a lot to sort through after this discovery. I was angry. I was sad. I was confused. I've not yet met the man who is my biological father, and I don't know if I will, but my dad will always be my dad. But I also learned that irrespective of this news, that staying angry would not help me. In order to work through acceptance of this reality, I chose to work through forgiveness with my mom. She's a different woman than she was when I was growing up, and she happens to be a Christ follower now. This was painful and complicated for her as much as it was for me. I truly believe she did the best she could with what she had from her own childhood. I knew holding on to the pain of this reality or holding it against her— was costing me more than anyone else. I love this quote from Anne Lamont. Forgiveness means it finally becomes unimportant that you hit back. Forgiveness means we cancel the debt. We free the person who harmed us, and in doing so, we free ourselves. So let's talk for a few minutes about how to forgive. Choosing to forgive and cancel the debt of someone who has harmed you can feel painful and at times impossible. We first need the help of the Holy Spirit to have the strength to forgive. If the wounds are deep or you've been holding on to them for a long time, it can be helpful to have another person, such as a counselor or close spiritual friend or a pastor, help you take steps towards forgiveness. True forgiveness takes work and time. Author Junie Felix warns us against thinking that forgiveness can happen quickly. She says, Fast forgiveness is a lot like fast food because it doesn't work. With fast food, there's no deep nourishment or satisfaction, which is why it leaves you hungry. Fast forgiveness is the same spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Over time, it makes you and the person you're sincerely trying to forgive sicker and unhealthier. Don't fall into the fast forgiveness trap. Instead, take wise and measured steps towards forgiveness. Although your journey toward forgiveness is deeply personal, I want to share some steps that can be helpful for each one of us. In his book, Love Slows Down, author Joel Malm offers these steps to forgiveness. Forgiveness involves admitting, I was hurt. Perhaps you haven't yet acknowledged that what someone did to you was wrong. Maybe you've been denying your feelings of hurt or anger. Before you can forgive, the first step is to admit that you were hurt. Forgiveness involves naming how you were hurt. This is where you get specific. Identify what happened that hurt you. I was betrayed. I was lied to. I was abandoned. I was disrespected. I was rejected. Forgiveness involves a decision to cancel the debt the person owes you. Forgiveness involves a decision to forgive. It's a decision we have to make with our head. Only you have the power to cancel the debt. Only you can choose to forgive the person who has hurt you. Forgiveness involves reminding yourself of your decision. Forgiveness involves partnering with God for heart transformation. Rarely do we make the head decision to forgive, and that's that. It can take a long time for God to do this work in our hearts. We have to remind ourselves that we have chosen to forgive. I recently heard a story about a man who was trying to forgive someone who had hurt him. His work computer required him to change password every 30 days. One day, he received the prompt to update his password, and as he emptied the field and was preparing to set a new password, this blinking cursor awaited his input. He thought to himself, I'm going to use a password to change my life. So he changed his password to this, forgive at H3R. In other words, forgive her. Forgiveness is often a daily or even hourly decision. We must choose to claim the freedom of forgiveness and not return to resentment or bitterness. Maybe a password like that could help you. Or maybe practicing a breath prayer. Each week of this series, we're leaving you with a breath prayer to help you do the work of restoring relationships throughout your week. And this week's breath prayer focuses on forgiveness. God of forgiveness, help me forgive. Let's try this together. On the inhale, we silently pray, God of forgiveness. And on the exhale, we silently pray, help me forgive. God of forgiveness help me forgive. God of forgiveness, help me forgive. One more time. God of forgiveness, help me forgive. At the time since I began, you've likely taken over 300 breaths. You've probably been breathing without thinking too much about it, but if you were trying to hold your breath for a long time, it would become painful because you would be starving your body of oxygen and causing the levels of CO2 in your body to rise. Scholar and theologian N.T. Wright compares the act of forgiveness to breathing. Forgiveness is more like the air in your lungs— there's only room for you to inhale the next lungful when we've just breathed out the previous one. If you insist on withholding it, refusing to give someone else the kiss of life they may desperately need, you won't be able to take any more in yourself, and you will suffocate very quickly. Maybe unforgiveness has left you feeling like you were holding your breath. Overwhelmed by hurt and resentment, unable to experience the fullness of joy and peace that God intends for you. I want you to know today that there is hope. Although forgiveness cannot erase the past, it can bring you freedom. So let's breathe in and breathe out this prayer a couple of times again God of forgiveness, help me forgive. God of forgiveness, help me forgive. To restore relationships, we must do the work of forgiveness. May God empower us to forgive.
0: We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to take a next step, head to communitychristian.info. If you'd like prayer, please text the word PRAYER to 331-226-1686, and a member of our prayer team will reach out to you. To give financially to community, head to givenow.cc. Thanks for listening to the Community Online Podcast.